The views and opinions expressed by the individuals in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of its producers, Metaphor Creative Media, its management, or affiliates. Police officers were witness to some of the most amazing things in life. Some comical, some horrendous, and some just plain miraculous. When asked why you went into law enforcement, most officers will tell you because it's like having a front row seat to the greatest show on earth. Today, we saved you a front row seat. This is Observations. From Broadcast Beat Studios in Oakland Park, Florida, Metaphor Creative Media presents a show that gives you a personal glimpse of what law enforcement officers see and do in their typical and not-so-typical day of work. From walking the beat to detective, Rob has 35 years of law enforcement experience. Although the staff are all active or former law enforcement, any views, opinions, and all other show content are in no way official views, statements, or policies of any law enforcement agency. To talk to our host, call the podcast studio toll-free at 888-511-COPS. That's 888-511-2677. Hello again, and welcome to Observations, your front row seat to the greatest show on earth. I'm Rob, your host. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we broadcast live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. from the Broadcast Beat Studios located in Oakland Park, Florida. Here on Observations, we attempt to give you a personal glimpse of what law enforcement officers go through on a daily basis. We'll also talk about recent happenings and the latest hot topics pertaining to law enforcement. We've got a great discussion lined up for you today. In particular, we'll be talking about the disturbing allegations of the Chicago Chamber of Commerce hosting an event where children were encouraged to bash a pinata that was made to look like an ICE agent. In case you didn't know, the producers here at Observations encourage viewer participation. So if you have a comment or question, or even a story you'd like to share and would like to be part of the discussion, we've got Ashley back there working on the phone lines who can't wait to say hello. I've had the honor and pleasure of knowing and working with my guest tonight for the last 18 years. I met him back in 2001 after just being hired by the local sheriff's office. My field training officer happened to be off that day, so they put me with him, and I'm so glad that they did. (laughs) He's a great guy. We all know and love him as Richie B. Richie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, for those of you that don't know Rob, as this is just fairly new, very well respected, currently a detective. Everybody loves Rob, and Rob's the greatest guy to have when there is an issue. Uh, there's never a bad word about a Rob Lerner, so thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thanks, and I'll give you the five bucks after the you show. You got it. That's ten. <laughs> That's not what we agreed upon. All right. You know, it's funny. Eighteen years ago, we met, and it seems like yesterday. And from the time I met you and worked with you, it was always one laugh after another. True, true. Absolutely. It's been a fun time. It's been a great ride, no doubt about it. Richard, you've been with the uh, 
sheriff's office now for how many years? Yeah, well, it's going on 30 years. And uh, the way I figure it is, listen, if I work till I'm 80, I'll run out of money at 81. So, the, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay a while longer. I have a daughter in college. We're going to try to work that out there and uh, uh, make sure everything's all paid off. And uh, I love my job. I have the greatest job in the world, currently in canine. So I'm thrilled to death to be there, and I love every aspect of the job. Fantastic. You know, and it, it's good to have a plan, and I'm, I'm glad you have one. <laughs> 80, it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's, it's uh, impressive. I, it's, I can it, do it. Uh, I, if anybody can, I know you can. That's it. You absolutely can. And now that they're throwing the water on us, that's good. That'll keep me cool in the summer because in Florida it gets very hot, so you get a nice water bucket. That's always a pleasure. It's added extra. It is, and thank God you're not made out of sugar because you know what would have happened. That's true. You'd melt. Right. So let me ask you a question. People always ask me. Why'd you get into law enforcement? So I'm asking you, what made you get into this profession? Well, I was a high school teacher uh, down in North Miami, loved it. Uh, nominated Teacher of the Year back in 89 or 90. It was a fantastic job, it was great. I had a next door neighbor that was a police officer. He told me all about the perks. And I said, listen, why wouldn't I want to help people? Why wouldn't I want to do something that's exciting and fun? And I jumped right into it. And I've had a great career. I started in the jail. I, I, I was in training. I've been all different uh, everywhere. And now I've, I've landed in K-9 for the last 10 or 12 years, and I just absolutely love it. And i got to tell you something. Dealing with fun and nice people is the greatest job in the world. If you can deal with nice people on a daily basis, it's absolutely fantastic. And that's what we do. Well, it, and what's the worst thing about uh, dealing with Yeah, well, and then again, there's some people that aren't nice. You know, people ask me every day, every day. They say, oh, I know what you're going through. Oh, it's such a tough time now. They might be right, but here's the bottom line. I haven't seen it. The nice people are still nice, and the bad people are still bad. It doesn't change. It's the same exact thing. In fact, the nice people are even nicer. They come over to you. They tell you they're behind you. Fantastic. There is a difference between good and evil. Good people are good, and bad people are bad. And when everybody does realize that, things are going to get so much better so quickly, it's unbelievable. But yeah, it, it's fantastic. Very well said. Thanks. Very good. I, Thanks. I, I didn't write it down or anything. I know. Good. I, I, like good your stuff. Yeah. I like your enthusiasm. You know, when I met you, it was shortly after 9-11. Uh, it's when I started with the sheriff's office. I started in September. It was September 17th I started with them. And I didn't have to go through the academy because they accepted my training from New York. But I did have to go through a comparative compliance class, which consisted of approximately 92 hours of training. It was broken up classroom training and in the field. And this was shortly after the anthrax powder scan yeah. started. Yes. You know, and at that time, I believe five people were killed and 17 were injured when they received envelopes that contained anthrax spores. <clears throat> and it seemed like every other call was suspicious powder. Everybody got an envelope. If they received mail from somebody they didn't know, it's suspicious, and we had to go check it out. On the day that I met you, my training officer wasn't available, so they said, hey, uh, we're going to put you with Richie today. And I was like, all right. They said, hey, by the way, he's from New York as well. So we were do I was doing the 4 to 12, and the day was pretty uneventful. I remember we had a lot of conversation. It was a good time. We were talking about sports and, and family matters. And then it was sometime about 5 o'clock, 5 in the afternoon, we got a call for a possible anthrax powder at University Hospital. Do you remember, do you remember I that? I remember it, yeah. I remember it, and I turned to you and I said, hey, listen, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe you want to drop me off because i got to be in the classroom at 6. And you looked at me and said, ah, it's probably nonsense, don't worry, we'll, we'll go there. And we'll be out of there in 
two minutes if it's nothing, and if it's something, I'll have somebody come pick you up. Okay, the thing you're not saying, the thing you're not saying, that you're not telling everybody, is that we used to get anthrax calls every day. In fact, the day before, because he's going to tell you what I did, I was a moron. I saw the white powder, I kicked it over, I said, let's get the hell out of here. And then the next thing you know, they're coming in with the suits, the spaceman suits. I said, for God's sakes, what did we do? And we almost had to get naked. It was miserable. I can't even imagine it naked outside with the, the, the cameras were all over the place. Oh, mortifying. But no, here's the thing. Time out, time but here's the thing. You don't know. The thing you don't know is the day before, I got called to a house for white powder. I looked at the white powder. I said, that's white powder. Oh, God, maybe this is real. And they had a Dunkin' Donuts box. A Dunkin' Donuts box sitting right there. I looked at it. The powdered donut crap was all over the place. For God's sakes. We were getting it every day, but... But right. That was torture. Right, now back to my story. Yeah, it was bad. I'm, I'm gonna, I apologize because uh, yes, I, I never admitted it. I want to tell it the way it yeah. really happened. So we pull up to the back of the, the hospital, University Hospital, and Fire Rescue's parked towards the back of the parking lot. And you looked at me and said, Oh, you wait in the car. I'll, I'll be right out. And I said, No, we're partners. Partners going together. <laughs> True. If you're going in, I'm going in. The only time we separate and you go in by yourself is that, hey, one of us has to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and we went in and we made contact with the nurse who informed us that there was a woman in isolation. And the, earlier that day, she received a package with some powder in it. And when she opened it up, the powder got into her face, and she now has a sore. Okay, so they isolated her, and they emptied out the emergency waiting room. And the package was right where she left it, on the chair. So we go in, and th- they don't like to admit it. You walk over and gave it the kick test. <laughs> and, and just by kicking this package of powder, you decided it was nonsense. Right. And... Yeah, so I haven't admitted that to this day, but the statute of limitations is long over. Nobody's looking for me anymore with that nonsense. That was my mistake, and I apologize right. for the first time. I'm going to tell you that. That was wrong. Did you make the meeting? No, that's the important thing. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. So now we're about to leave the emergency room, and as we're walking out the back, I find out why they were staging, because it was the hazardous material unit. Yes. And they're now standing there in full regalia with the suits and the helmets and the gloves, and they tell us, you can't leave. And I said, what do you mean we can't leave? Oh, you can't leave. We have to decontaminate you. I said, what does that mean? And you, in all your glory and excitement, oh, it's great. We're going to get naked. I was, what? Oh, yeah, we got to get naked. They're going to set up an area, and we're going to get naked, and they're going to wash us all down. I said, are you kidding me? Oh, no, no, yeah, we're getting naked. We're all getting naked. Doctors have to get naked. Nurses have to get naked. We get, and I was like, uh, uh, are you kidding me? And I didn't mind the part with the doctors and nurses because it was all women. But I had apprehensions about getting naked myself. I was married for 15 years at that time. At that time, I would be happy to get naked with anyone at that time after being married for so long. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the thing is, it's a wonderful woman. But anyway, but the bottom line is, yes, no, it was my fault. And thank God we didn't have to do that at the last second. Thank God, because I didn't want to embarrass you. Right. I would have looked at you, right. and they would have looked at me, and they would have laughed at one of us. Uh, yes, yes, I agree, I agree. And when we left, I remember looking at you and saying, you know, Thank you very much. I did 17 years in New York. Never had a problem. Not a hitch. I'm with you four hours. I'm exposed to anthrax. I'm getting naked. I'm getting decontaminated. Great. It was an experience that I'll always cherish. Yep. Yep. That was excellent. Excellent. Good times. Good times. Yes, it was. And uh, it's been one laugh after another. Sure has. Sure has. If you can't laugh on this job, there's no reason to go to work. Very true. Very true. Richie, thank you again for uh, taking the time out to join me on on this adventure. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Just one thing very quickly, and then we'll go to whatever you have to go to. Uh, he's a very modest guy, so he's not going to talk about it, but he actually wrote a, a fantastic book, and the book's name is Observations. In fact, this is an offshoot of his book, and that's due out in 2020. And I was lucky enough to get an advanced copy of that book, and let me tell you something. Fantastic. 
If anyone, anyone really wants to know the inner workings of what goes on in the police department and what you can do, actually even has a thing in there, how to get out of tickets, it, it just, it's just absolutely funny and it, it, it's, it's fantastic. So seriously, I loved it. I read it in literally two days. That's how great it was. So thanks for that copy. I appreciate it. Uh, you're very welcome. And I'll give you the $10 after That's the show. It now. It's up to 15 uh, Inflation. <laughs> All right. And... Uh, you know, I, I believe we have a caller on the line, our first caller Beautiful. for the evening, and uh, let's give it a shot. Hello, you're on the air of Observations. Hello, uh, this is Simon. Um, I see you wearing the Trump shirt. Do the police <laughs> like Trump? Boy, that's a great question, Simon. Thanks for asking it. So do the police like Trump? So I can't tell you what the police like. I am a police officer, and I have loads of friends at the police. But what wouldn't you like? Would you not I like agree. the uh, thank? See, that's yeah. it. Because Simon knows what he's saying. That's why he calls this show. Because he's brilliant. Listen, Simon, what wouldn't you like? You tell me. Would you not like the lowest African American unemployment of all time? Would you not like the lowest Hispanic unemployment of all time? Would you not like the lowest Asian American unemployment of all time? Would you not like? Almost the lowest crazy. female. They're crazy. If they don't like them, there's an issue. There's a problem. So, yes, I'll speak for me and the people that I surround myself with. Possibly the best president of all time. And I love everything that he says. Well, I like hearing that. I, I like your shirt. I like hearing that. God bless you guys. Thank you for what you do. You are the best of the best. Hey, Simon, thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Thank you, Simon. You'll get Thank the $10 tomorrow. Too. <laughs> that was awesome. Awesome. You have some smart listeners. You know, Richie, uh, being a police officer is often a thankless, thankless job. And it's a job that's scrutinized not only by the public that we serve, but also by our peers. And it's really easy to be a Monday morning quarterback when you've never played the game, when you've never been part of it and you've never experienced it. It's easy to judge and uh, think, what, what did they do right, what did they do wrong? And I say, don't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his shoes. Well, observations is what we want to use to put people in those shoes to get a feeling of, of what it's like to, to experience it. Yeah, and it, it's, a, it's a very tough question to answer because if you haven't been there, you really don't know. But let me give you an example. So they're calling it, I think, the Pallion, I forgot his name, the one that uh, had the mishap. Yes, from New York, yes. the, the one that had the problem with uh, Garner. Yes, one, Eric Garner. Uh, his name, do you remember the Pallion? Palateo, Palateo. Something like, yeah. So they, they call it the Palateo effect. And, and here's the situation. So... I, what I want you to do is I really want you to think about that situation. Two seconds, I'm going to run it down, and you tell me after I explain it, what should the police do? So you get a report that somebody's selling stuff in front of a, just loose cigarettes, nothing, they say. It was nothing. He's selling it in front of a, a supermarket type of store, and they called with a complaint. The deputy goes down there, and he says, hey, man, do me a favor. Stop selling those cigarettes. And he says, hell no. Now, he wasn't five foot two and 120 pounds. That was a big man, and it's very unfortunate that he passed away. It's horrible. But here's the thing. If he had just complied, Absolutely. Just comply. In fact, all of these things that have happened over the last several years is if they would have just complied. Yesterday, you had a Democratic uh, uh, nonsense going on where they actually were calling for his firing, even though he was exonerated. It was, it was sick. It was sick. Disgusting. Disgraceful. I mean, it's absolutely. And it goes back to what I was saying before. 
Be nice. Be good. Do the right thing. And none of this will ever happen. So I don't think it's a thankless job, Rob. I got to tell you, I love the job. And the people are, 99% of the people are so nice. We can't go out to eat where they're not trying to buy our food. I always say, no, no, no. And then we buy theirs and it's a whole thing. But it's a love affair with the people. The press uh, portrays it as, and it's nonsense. It's common sense and it's nonsense the way they portray it. So I actually, I think the, the majority of people are fantastic. And I love seeing them every day. I really do. You know, on that point too, you know, it's always been a field. Yeah, you're you're right. It's not a thankless job, 100. percent And there are more people that support us than don't. And there are times when people come up to you and for no reason at all, and they see you. Hey, thank you for your service. It's awesome. Thank you for what you do. And I call it a feel-good moment. Yes. It, it makes you appreciate what you do. And it's not a lot. It, it's not a lot when people say it, but it makes you feel good. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm in the right job. I'm doing what I enjoy. Getting back to what you said about Eric Garner, I had touched on that last week. It's all about compliance. You don't like what's going on. You don't have to like it, but you have to comply. You comply. Half the deaths that happen because of uh, non-compliance, okay, and resisting arrest wouldn't. You comply. You put your hands behind the back. You go with the program. You don't like it. There are different avenues. Hire an attorney. Sue the police department. Go, go to internal affairs if you didn't feel that you were treated justly. Um, the time to argue or resist is not at the time of the episode, whether it be a traffic stop, or an arrest, a physical arrest. But you're right, that death was totally avoidable. And you know, what is the police officer supposed to do? After Eric Garner says, no, I'm not leaving. And I, I don't want to try his case. It was no. already done. But after our, Eric Garner says he's not leaving, what should the police officer say? Okay, listen, I can't do anything. He said he doesn't want to leave. So you know what? He can still sell the cigarettes. And now the guy who has the store is losing the money. He's calling and he's angry. It is so there's just a common sense factor, and I believe it's there. I believe it's just being hidden by the press for political reasons, and that's it. That's it. You know, another example is that there are videos that are surfacing all over the place with people not complying with the police. There was one recently, and I don't remember what state it was, but I believe the woman was about 68 years old. Mm. And the officer was going to give her a ticket. I don't know if she was driving with a expired registration for the past six months, and he was going to give her a ticket, but she wasn't taking it. She said, no, I don't agree with it. I don't think I should get a ticket that's going to cost me $80. And at some point, she takes off, and it escalated. From just getting a ticket and going to court and paying a fine, it escalated to her fleeing, him chasing her down, taking her out of the car, actually literally ripping her out because she was resisting. She wouldn't get out. You know, our job is to enforce the law. We don't make the laws, but we enforce them. Right. And at some point, as he was trying to arrest her, she tried to kick him. So he, he wound up tasing her. Instead of getting physical with her and beating her and punching her, he tased her to get her to comply. And afterwards, they were talking. And she said, well, you know, I wasn't taking the ticket. And he said, well, you kicked me. She said, that's because I'm a country girl. And it was like, it's all about compliance. It makes it a lot easier. And very well said, you know, but when political people are on TV vilifying police for doing what they do to help people you know i'm sure you've you've had the same situations um i have seen lives ruined ruined um uh, people devastated from what people call minor crimes very quickly you, some people think ah breaking into a, a car ah it's a minor crime ah they shouldn't even bother with the jail ah, it's really nothing unless of course it's theirs 
But I have been to places where they might be younger girls or younger boys, 12, 13. I've seen uh, older uh, uh, people, 70s in their 80s. I've even seen middle-aged, 30, 40. I'm an old man, so to me that's middle-aged. You're ancient. But the, yeah, I'm ancient. But the bottom line is, though, they never feel safe again. Now, it's different if it happens out in it, somewhere else, but if they're in front of their house and at three o'clock in the morning, you hear that shatter and you, you know, everybody's a tough guy, everybody the next morning, everybody thinks that if you hit them with the taser, they get knocked out cold. Everybody thinks if you throw one punch, the guy gets knocked out cold. That's not reality. It's not reality at all. And I've seen these people absolutely devastated and not feel safe in their home, not feel safe anywhere because of something as minor as a car break-in. Can you imagine when their house gets broken into? It's sad and it, it's devastating to people, but the people don't hear that from the press. And that's a shame, and that's a shame. And then you're vilified by, by uh, public officials, and that is disgraceful, what's going on right now with the left. It's terrible, it's terrible. You know, I listened to the debate last night, the Democratic debate, and I don't like to get political Me neither. or discuss politics. Right. It's strange relationships. But I was watching it last night, and after about 10 minutes, I had to shut it off. Yeah. Because they were all making comments about how they were going to hold the police accountable. And everything was going after the police and how Eric Gaughan is going to get justice. And the police officer should have been arrested. Still invoking and, Michael Brown. Yes, yes. Still invoking. It's, that, was, that was absolutely 100% a lie and made up. Still invoking the name. They did it last night. Yes, they it's do. Disgraceful. And the reason I find that that I believe they're doing it is they're playing to an audience that's anti-police. Right. Okay, and that's right. what they're playing to, an anti-police audience, hoping, hey, this is going to garner me votes because I'm going to go after those officers. Even though they did nothing wrong, I'm going to hold them responsible for something. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. It's terrible. You know, there are times in, in our profession, profession that you have to make a split-second decision, and that decision can make the difference between life and death. Ours is somebody else's. And prior to making that decision, if it's pulling a trigger, we have to go through a mental checklist through our minds. Um, am I justified? If I shoot and I miss, is there anybody else in harm's way? Is that a real weapon? And we've all heard the stories and it's been the news countless times over the years, different states, nobody's immune to it. Is it a real weapon? And I remember back in New York years ago, there was an ingenious perp that painted a Mac-10 submachine gun green mm -hmm. to make it look like a toy. Right, right. So now when that's pointed at you, you know, the, the sad thing with that is if, if you hesitate for one second too long, you might not be going home at right. the end of the day. Right, and it's calm. And again, let's go right back to it, Rob. It's common sense. You're not painting a gun green to make it look like a toy. You're not doing any of this. It's just common sense. You don't do that, right? So how does the police officer know they don't? Let me just tell you one quick story, very troubling to me personally. I was in the gun store. I, I needed to grab a gun, so I bought a gun. And while I was in there, a, a, a fantastic couple. This is not an older couple, so it's not somebody that they seem, you know, middle-aged. And they were looking at the guns and they look at me and they say to me, I was in uniform and they said to me, hey, what do you think is the best defense for my wife? That's what he said. They were together. And I said, oh, you know, I, I was going to defer to the, the person who was selling the guns. They know a lot more about guns than I do. So I, I was going to defer. And he said, I don't think we're ready for a gun. He said, what about these? And they were tasers. And I looked at it. And they were looking at uh, a cattle prod, huge taser, this big. 
I said, ooh, I, you know, I don't want to tell them what's right and what's wrong, but I said, they're going to take that away from her and they're going <laughs> to use it on her. And he said, in his mind, and this is from watching movies and watching TV and listening to the nonsense on the news, they all think that if you hit somebody with a taser, they're out cold, they're out cold, you got to put the water on them, you got to do the smelling salts, when in reality, none of that is true. It's just so silly. In fact, a handheld taser getting the, the, the perp much angrier. That's all it'll do. It's just so silly. And there's only one on the market that you could shoot, and that you drop and you run. It's just, it's so scary to me, the misinformation. Let me put you on timeout for a second. We've got a uh, caller that's been on here, oh. patiently waiting. Sorry, sorry. Camille, and I don't want her to wait too long. I don't want to lose her. Great. Hello. Hey, Camille. Hello. Hey. Hi. How are you? Good. Sorry I'm you waited sorry. so long. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. What I'm going back to is the point when you and Richie were discussing about the media. But I think the other issue comes into play is because people have the cell phones. So what they do now, they edit what they send in to Absolutely. the media. They edit everything. So they're only going to see, you're not going to see what happened before. You're only going to see the middle and possibly to the end. You're going to see where the escalation is, but not what caused the escalation at that time. And the problem is it's giving that dim view of, you know, the police at that point. Yeah, it's... So, it, it, it's hard. It, it's a really hard situation. And also, there's a, I guess, because like when you see what's going on in the city of New York, you could tell I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was Texas. <laughs> yeah, that accent. Right. Even, <laughs> even though I live in Delaware. <laughs> but they, they, have, they don't back up the police anymore. There's no backup. There's no respect anymore given. So how are people, the public, supposed to respect the police department or the fire, any first responder, when there's none given from the majors, the, you know, the big shots? She's right. Yeah, that, that becomes another, you know, it's like a parent teaching a child. If I'm telling my kid, don't do this, smoking's not good for you, but I have a cigarette in my mouth, well, what do you think the kid's going to do and look at me? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. It all starts at home. It all starts yeah, at home. That's it what's learned. It does. And, but now, for us, it's starting with the, the politicians. They're causing a lot of issues. They're picking on certain um, little hot buttons, and it, they're not helping the situation. They're only escalating it. No, you're absolutely and people, right. And, and people are just they're falling into it. They're, you know... Just going along with, oh, yeah, he's right. Oh, yeah, you know, this is what's going on. So it's it just, I think it's aside from the media, it's, a, it's a, a combination of things. Media doesn't help, but it's a lot of things going on. You know, it's like anything else. Uh, anything negative is immediately portrayed in the news, where a lot of the good things that happen every day are, are not. It's because it's the negative things that sell news and get people to read the stories. And, and that's part of the yeah, problem. Because it's, it's a biased situation. They're not going to show really when a police officer, like I watched Live PD, that he was fooling around with kids, you know, dancing with them. He was a white cop, there were uh, Afro African American children, and he was dancing, and, you know, just to make them not be afraid of him, you know, to show encouragement. Sure. But they're not going to show that in the regular media. They're not going to show all the different things that go on, all the positives. 
and that's another issue. You know, j- just real quick, just to touch on that, because you mentioned the videos. I have a cousin who lives uh, in New York, and there are videos going on now with these cops dancing, doing some type of cowboy dance. And she sent me a request, say, hey, listen, I, I know you can do this. <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's just never going to happen. I, I can't dance. No, <laughs> so. but the sad part is, but the sad part is, as a police officer, you have to now become entertainment for them to maybe respect you or to listen. And at one time, I'm 58 years old. That wasn't the way. We grew up respecting cops. Absolutely. You know, yep. yes, sir, no, sir, you know. Not anymore. No. Nope. You know, we had that discussion. So it's really, uh, you know, I applaud anyone who was a first responder, you know, like you, like Richie and anyone else, because it's getting harder and harder. Yes, it is. It's a really, really tough field to be in. And I'm glad Richie still has rose-colored glasses in his field. <laughs> I'm becoming that, cynical over it. Uh, listen, I, I, I love it. I love every minute of it. Thank you so much for the call, Camille. You are the best of the best. Another great Rob Lerner uh, listener. Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks, Camille. You have a All great right. night. Thanks for calling. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Hang on, Rich. We, uh, the phone lines are burning up. And great great have, point uh, about the camera. We'll, we'll, maybe if we have time, we'll go back uh, to the cameras after that. Yep, if you got a great another call, great. Let me uh, try and grab Lauren. Uh, you got two good ones. Okay. Hello. Lauren. Hello. Hey, Lauren, you're on the air. Hi. How are you? Hello. Good, how are you? Okay. I was wondering if you guys can give me any hints about getting out of any tickets. Oh. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a great question. If I Can I grab that one? Just don't say anything that you... Listen, I'm telling you, (laughs) I'm telling you, go get a pen. Everybody listening right now, get a paper. I'm going to give you the secret. I'm (laughs) going to give you the secret right now where I can guarantee to 99% effectiveness that you will never get a ticket. Wait, I wonder what If you do what, too. yes, oh, absolutely. And if you don't have a pen, use a crayon because I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm only going to tell you once, but I'm doing it. I don't care if it puts every police department out of business. I'm going to tell you exactly how to get out of a ticket. Oh, my. Here's the oh, way it works. Here's the way it works. So first you have to understand what a police officer does. If you notice when a police officer walks up to you, when you've done something wrong, they stick their hand on the back of the trunk. Do you know why? You have any idea why they do that? No? Okay, good. I'm going to tell you why. That was it. I just wanted to see. It would have been amazing. It would have made the show great. But here's the reason why. We put our hands on the trunk just to put our fingerprints there because God forbid you do something horrible to the police officer and then you escape. They can check to make sure that that was definitively the vehicle that did uh, that was involved in the crime. So I need you to understand that when a police officer comes over to you, he may not be the nicest guy in the world. He may not say, hey, how are you? Can I get, I do that sometimes. Can I get your driver's license to your registration? He may be seeming very brusque to you. He may seem mean to you. He may seem horrible to you, but you still can get out of that ticket so easily. And here's the way it works. If you were going 60 or 70 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone, you know what you did wrong. It's common sense. You know what you did. If you were weaving around, you know what you did. So when he comes over to you and he says, hello, ma'am, I need your license, your registration and your insurance card. You tell me, Lauren, what should your answer be? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Here it hey, is. That's it. Have a, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. You know, and when he says, because some do, and it's a little aggravating, I know, because you know you're a good person. You know the person getting pulled over says, I'm a good person. I like the cops. Why aren't they so nice to me? But here's the thing. He doesn't know. He doesn't know if you're a good person. So he may be a tough guy or a tough girl. He may seem like he is. But if you're nice... And you say, oh, my God, you know, when he says, what did you do? You say, oh, God, I, I think I was speeding. I think I was doing this. I didn't. I, I made a quick left. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Nine out of ten cops will not write a real ticket. They'll give. Now, there's animals in every job, for God's sakes. But most of them will not give you the ticket. And here's the real kicker. If you have a clean license, you've never gotten a ticket, and you use exactly what I said, very few will give you a ticket. Nobody wants to be the first guy that gives a or girl that gives a clean uh, driver's license who's super nice a ticket. I can honestly say, and I've written a lot of tickets, but I have never, never in my career, this is true, I have never given a nice, nice person a ticket. I just haven't. I haven't had to. And that's great. Now, with the cameras, it's a little tougher. Our discretion has been taken away, correct? Yes, absolutely. A little bit. Because here's the thing, and this is going to be a little controversial, and I don't listen. It's the truth, so I can say it. But here's the thing. You have to be very careful. Now I'm videoing you doing something wrong, and I may be letting you go. And if you do what I said, you will let guy will let you go. But here's the thing. I have to make sure that I do that evenly. I know it's stupid because let me tell you something. I've been with cops for 30 years, and not one has ever said, hey, let's go get the Jewish person today. Let's go get the black person. Hey, I got to get myself an Asian guy. It just doesn't happen. It's make-believe nonsense. Has that happened to you? No, of never, course, I never. just so I get you just want to pull your hair up. So it, it just none of that happens. None of that's real. If you're nice and you have a clean record and you do the right thing, nine times out of ten, cops not there to hurt you. They're there to help you. They want you to be happy. They want you to be safe. In fact, most of the time. We're there giving tickets because people have complained about speeding or people have complained about people in the area doing the wrong thing. So that's why we're there. It's for you. It's for the people. It has nothing to do with anything else in any way. Is that a good answer? That's a good answer. Hey, listen, Lauren. And if yeah. Richie's advice doesn't work, you, you call the show back. I will give you his address, and you can send the ticket to him, and, and he'll pay it for you. I'll pay it. I'll pay it. I'll do that for sure. Sounds good. Trust Thanks. Me, I will. All right, great. Awesome. Thank you for calling. All right. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Boy, you got some great callers, bro. I got to tell you, there's some smart people that listen to this show. This is nice. I love this. That, that went very well. Good Richard. for you, man. Oh, good for you. So, uh, anyhow, uh, where, where, where were we? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we were talking about the decisions. I said, you know, it, we have to go to that mental checklist and all that with, with the uh, perpetrators. You know, unfortunately, when we do make that decision, it was based upon that that perception right there at that single second where we we had to act. And unfortunately, once it's done, the powers that be of the general public can sit back in the safety of their own homes or their offices and Monday morning quarterback that decision to death. You know, and, and that's 
that's a sad thing too. Sure, happens. and you know we blame we we say that the civilian people do it, not police officers. But don't police officers do it too? All the time. We go to we go to an in-service class, and you know, and, and by the way, training is great, and and our department is phenomenal. Love every minute of being there, and I don't have anything negative to say. Very few people uh, can go to a job every day where they don't have something negative to say. I don't. I love my job. I love the people I work with. But sometimes in training, we do the same exact thing, right? We do the Monday morning quarterback. They show us the video of, of the police officer that may have gotten hurt. And most of us sit there and we're very angry, I, you know, because we don't know what happened exactly during that situation. Only the guys that were there know. And that, I think it was Camille. Yes. Camille brought up a phenomenal point with the video cameras. We're seeing one-tenth of the story. Right. And, you know, for the people that have never been in a situation, and I'm not talking about life and death. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about if you've never been in an altercation, a real fight. I'm not talking about your jujitsu on Thursday morning and your boxing class on Saturday. And I'm sure you're a great boxer and a great jujitsu guy. But uh, what I'm talking about is a real situation where you could get very, very hurt or, or killed in a situation. If you've never been in that situation and then you Monday morning quarterback, it's awful. When I hear all the time, oh, the handcuffs were on. How did he hit him? In the in the in the excitement is a horrible word. In the misery and the filth and the and the total exhaustion and the fear and there is fear and if you're not afraid, then there's something stupid. wrong. Yeah. Right, there's stupid. something wrong with you. During all of that, like you just said, have to make a split uh, second decision. If the cuffs go on and you're still doing your thing. Oh, for God's sakes, once again, common sense, knock it off, stop acting like an animal, and you won't be treated in a bad way. Very good. Good? You know, I have to go back because it reminds me of a story when you mentioned boxing, okay? And I I know a lot about your past and your boxing prowess. (laughs) And you had told me a story, and it was during my interviews with you when we were doing the book, the Observations book, and you were in detention. And there was a, if I remember, there was an inmate that was just not going along with the rules and very combative. And I don't remember all the facts, but would you, would you mind telling that story? Because yeah. it was a pretty funny thanks, story. Thanks for bringing up the horror. <laughs> the horror that, and by the way, the guys that I were with, they're no longer here, so that's fine. They both have retired, as has any everybody uh, just about yeah, our well, you're age. Going, yeah, well, you're going until you're 80, it's so don't shame. worry about it's it. Shame, but I love my job. So, yes, uh, real quick, there was a, an inmate in the jail, and somehow he got out of his cell, and uh, me and two guys went in there. And I thought I was a tough guy, and I'll tell you, you learn a lot. Uh, in the jail. The jail is a fantastic experience. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I, lo- I still uh, stay in touch with a lot of those guys. Uh, just a, just an amazing group of guys in there and girls, of course, and it's just a fantastic place to work. But uh, we had a, a, a crazy guy, Signal 20. He was just absolutely on every med ever, and somehow he was able to force the cell open. So I thought I was a tough guy. I went in there with two other tough guys, and we did our thing. And, and the next thing I know, I had no choice whatsoever, and I hit him. And I have some experience, and I hit him good. And he looked at me, he laughed, and he said, "Good day for me, good day for me." And the other guy, yeah. And, and it was a long day, and it was it was a tough situation. So you do learn a lot. You learn humility uh, uh, on the street and and in corrections as well. And sometimes you got to know when to back away. You sure do. Yeah, um, we're definitely getting a little off topic. And it, yeah, it, it, how does it, that happen? Well, when when I'm with you. It's, it's, <laughs> True, true. A lot of fun. I'm having a great time. Just a good time. You know, I've often said that uh, police officers are like the garbage men of society. We clean up other people's messes. 
And a lot of times people think uh, we're not as intelligent as we are. They think we're stupid. Um, but they expect us to know everything. And on the occasions we were asked questions and we don't know the answer, a lot of times, I, I've heard it in the past, but, but you're a police officer. You know, we're supposed to know these things. On the other hand, a lot of times the answers that we give these people, they don't like. You know, it's, it's the wrong answer. Or it's, you know, what, what do you do? Yep, no, that's very true. You are, you're expected to know everything. And I know very little. In fact, I could say I don't know anything, but, uh, but you are expected to be an expert. There's two things as a police officer. You have to know everything. Uh, you have to be everything. And you have a great pension. Those are the two things that you hear all the time as a police officer. And uh, just very quickly, uh, about that, you know, again, I'm a, I'm half a moron. I have a college degree. I was a teacher, but I really am. So when you ask me something, you know, keep going because I'm probably not going to give you the right answer, but I'll do it the best I can. But a lot of people do ask about the pension. They ask about, oh, you're set and, uh, and things like that once you retire. But I do want to just talk, uh, touch on that uh, very quickly so that people, again, can get a feeling of, of really what it's like, uh, which is what this amazing show is about, what it really is like to be a police officer. I have 30 years, 29 years. You have how many years? 470 years. 65 don't push it that's it's amazing in fact yeah you were there when uh when when moses parted the seas that nobody got wet it's amazing how that could possibly happen not only that but there were no radios back then no and if you needed help you had to bang your staff on the ground three (laughs) times to summon assistance that's right and when you wrote a ticket you had to use that thing right 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 yeah it was years ago but anyway everybody always talks about the pension but what they don't realize is listen i have uh, a good example is if you want to retire after 25 years of, of really uh, challenging work, um, you would be working around the clock. I have two friends of mine. I'm not going to use their real names, obviously. Uh, you know, there's no way. But I, I have, uh, they're married and they're both police officers. One's name is Angie, and that's a made up name. And one's is Cher, but, you know, that's a made up name, too. Cher <laughs> I, I is the I singer. Might, I might know these. Yeah, it's just people. a made up name. But here's the thing. So, you know, here's what's going to happen they work literally 24 hours a day, and they both have ridiculously hard jobs. I'm not going to say exactly what the jobs are, but the jobs are very very hard very challenging most people i couldn't do what they do but here's the way it's going to work so because they work around the clock and when i say around the clock i mean that means they they push off other responsibilities maybe they they don't get to do things with their children that other people with a nine to five job could right the sacrifices that they make a lot of sacrifices they make and here's what's going to happen when they do retire in the 25th year People are going to say, look at them. They're so lucky. They get to leave after 25 years. I'm still working with my 401k. What they don't realize is if they were putting in the time that they put in, they could also leave, especially with Trump. And I'm not a political guy because I don't care about Trump in anything or any way. But the bottom <laughs> line is that, you know, especially with the market, and then they always say, oh, there's no more. Who cares? I'm not in the market. If you're in a 401k or anything like that, you you're are in the, the market. market. Yeah. You know, there are two things I've learned over the years in my, my career, that uh, people are fascinated with cops, but most wouldn't, couldn't, or were afraid to do the job. Um, the second thing I've learned is it's a love-hate relationship. They love us when they need us, and when there's any other interactions, it's usually the opposite, you know? And uh, when something good happens, they never call us. Um, we never get invited to parties unless it's from a neighbor that's calling to complain about the noise. Right. You know, and maybe that's why people love firemen. True. You know, firemen never do anything that's negative. They rescue people. They, they render first aid. 
everything is positive, and God bless them to do a fantastic job. You know, do you ever hear? Or do you ever really hear somebody say, "Oh, hey, wave, wave to the police"? <laughs> it's usually a, "Hey, wave to the firemen, run quick!" It's right. the cops. Well, it's funny you say that. So I was just talking with a few people just a couple of days ago. The number one pet peeve of a police officer is you just you just nailed it. You ever walk down the street and the yeah, and I, you feel so bad for them. I Listen, know, my I, kids did I it. You know what I'm going. saying, right? This is and this is the number one pet peeve out of everyone I know that we all talk about. So if you're doing it out there, make sure you knock it off. So here's what happens. So you'll be in Publix or wherever you're in, and and there'll be a, a, a kid who's carrying on. Oh, they're carrying on, and and your heart bleeds for them. By the way, it's it's embarrassing. Sure. It's torturous. Um, and and they're carrying, and then they see you. Yeah. And they look at you and they say, if you keep that up, he's going to take you to jail. And the first thing I do is I say, oh, I would never take you to jail. We don't take good kids to jail. That breeds contempt, nervousness, and fear Absolutely. at an early age. And as they get older, they just build on that. Yeah. And they're worried about uh, police officers. When we, I'm lucky enough to uh, work with Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. We all went uh, there quite a few times. Kids with cancer, some of the saddest things uh, we ever saw. I mean, there were a bunch of us that used to go there. I have, let me interrupt you yeah, for a sure. second because there's, there's a caller on the air who oh. I uh, uh, had the, this might be the first band. From, uh, no, th th this should be a good one. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, but hang, hang on, uh, hang on one second. Let's see what this is. Hello, uh, caller. You're on the air with Copservations. Yes, uh, I noticed the phone number is nine five four, and I believe that's a Florida number. I I researched the, uh, I googled the um, uh, the area code. Is this in Broward County, Fort Lauderdale area? Uh, y yes, it would be. Okay, uh, and this is open for topic of any topic of discussion. Yes, should be relating to pol relating to police work. Yes. Okay, I have a question. I've been reading some articles. Uh, I'm retired NYPD, and I have family that live in Broward County, and I'm reading some articles that the local sheriff, who was removed by Governor Ron DeSantis for apparently legitimate <laughs> reasons because it was, it was verified and uh, validated by different layers like the Supreme, uh, state Supreme Court, and he's going to be running for sheriff again. And my colleagues up here find it a little bizarre that this man who based on all for all intents and purposes was responsible for the 17 deaths in stoneman douglas high school and uh i want to know what their opinion is of that the local police officers down there who are part of the law enforcement apparatus that were part of that what do they think about that because up here in the new York city police department we are uh a little taken aback by the fact that this man is uh is putting himself back in the uh, political arena it seems as if he keeps claiming that it was political why the governor removed him but it looks like it was his polit political power grab that caused the problem do they agree with that well i don't know what they agree with it on but the bottom line is uh if, if he's going to run again you know you can't stop anybody from running everybody's got a right to uh run for office and uh, when it comes time to get to the polls, that'll, that'll tell. Um, it's almost time to rack things up again, and I want to thank my very special guest and friend, Richie. You were fantastic, oh, and I hope fun. you come back, and I'm sure everybody that's listening really <laughs> enjoyed you. Um, and as with the end of every episode, we honor the lives of our fallen brothers and sisters. 
Today we off, uh, honor Officer Melissa Jane Schmidt of the Minneapolis Police Department, whose end of watch was on this day, August 1st, back in 2001. Officer Schmidt was shot and killed after she and her partner responded to a call reporting a woman with a gun at a, pub, a public housing complex. Contact was made with the 60-year-old female suspect, and while the officers were questioning her, she said she needed to go to the bathroom. Officer Schmidt escorted the woman to the public restroom in the lobby of the building. While in the restroom, the woman produced a handgun and opened fire, striking Officer Schmidt in the abdomen below her vest. Officer Schmidt was able to return fire and kill the suspect. Sadly, she succumbed to her wounds. Officer Schmidt served with the Minneapolis Police Department for more than six years and previously served with the United States Marine Corps. Officer Schmidt is survived by her parents and brother. I want to thank you for watching, and I hope you will join us again next Thursday at 7 for another episode of Observations. And before we go, just want to let you can also see Observations on YouTube at Metaphor Creative Media on YouTube. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank my producers, Danny and Anthony. I'd like to thank Ashley and Nicole for helping back in the control room. Richie, I want to thank you again. I want to give a shout out to my daughter, Danielle. My wife, Tony, my boys, Michael, Chris, Charlie, Lisa, all my grandchildren. Uh, Richie, I would love to have you come back. Um, you, made this, uh, you made this an experience. Flew by. I had a lot of fun, man. Thanks for having me. Not only that, there's a lot of topics I wanted to cover that we don't <laughs> get to. <laughs> to any of them, right? So It's a good time. Everybody, thank you again, and we hope to see you next week.